Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. My name's Darren and I'm here with Faith. Hi. Pastor Faith. And we will get to the sermon in just a little bit, but we wanted to make some time and space to talk about something special that we've been having on Sundays. And it's a new song that Pastor Faith, you and your husband Josh wrote, and we've shared it with our community. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the name of it? And where did it come from? Yeah, so it's called We Need You. Um, and I, I'm going to root this in 1 Corinthians 2 when Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, the, the first thing that was written for this song was the beginning of that bridge section that says, We don't need better plans. We don't need clever thoughts. We need your Spirit, O oh God. We don't want the wisdom of man. We want, we want a display of God's power, which is really what the world needs. They don't need to see a show, or even in the area of worship, they don't need to hear good music. They need to see a display of the power of God. So it came from that heart cry, and then the beginning of the song kind of sets up this space where we invite Holy Spirit, we open our hearts, we clear out all the distractions, the things that get in the way, and then just simply cry out for more of Him. And it's this this longing to be a, a space where the Spirit would rest as a community. Yeah, I love that. That's such a the heart and core value of Garden Church, exactly. knowing that the Spirit is present, like He's welcome to the party and we get to celebrate. And I so appreciate the beauty and creativity that you've been cultivating, not only with worship, but just something that we can invite the rest of our community into. And, and it's so cool when, when uh, in the recording of this song, it's the first time that we shared it. And it's like people have been singing it for weeks. <laughs> and it was just such a cool thing to experience. And so we're so happy for those of you that have experienced that with us on a Sunday morning. And we want to see just more original songs being birthed from this place um, that you're talking about, just being saturated in the Holy Spirit. So we are welcoming you to stick around after the sermon where you can hear a live recording of the song, We Need You, and I hope it blesses your heart. downtown Long Beach, California. And that question, God, where are you and do you care? Hit me at a deep level. But I stopped at some point asking theoretical questions about God. And it has been this renewed journey that I want to invite you into this morning. Because as we start to answer this question of where is God and does He care, it's a question that you are going to have to individually ask God Himself. I can't answer it for you. A theologian can't answer it for you. Nobody can answer it for you. Because each of us have this individual calling, relationship, with God, where He wants you to ask Him directly. He wants you to have that one-on-one exchange. And I want to read to you what His response to Moses was. But 
the Lord said to Moses, and do we have this? Yeah. Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Indeed, by a mighty hand, he will let them go. And by a mighty hand, he will drive them out of his land. God also spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they resided as aliens. I have also heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are holding as slaves. And I have remembered my covenant. I say, therefore, to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will free you from the burdens of the Egyptians and deliver you from slavery to them. I'll redeem you with my outstretched arm, and with mighty acts of judgment I will take you as my people. I will be your God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has freed you from the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. God said in that moment what he says to you, what he says to me. When you ask that question, where are you and do you care? He starts with a que- he, the answer, I am. I am God. I am present. I am with you. You are not outside my love. You are not outside out of my care. I hear your groanings. I hear everything. I am with you. Now, if you look at this, I'm going to just this morning talk about three of these I am statements to answer the question, where is God? And when he says, I am, the first aspect of where is God is that he is everywhere all the time. Now, for some, that's pretty easy to accept. In fact, it's a pretty hard stretch for many people to not say, I believe in some form of God. If you pull people, most people even like that, that notion that there is something out there. There is a higher power. We're okay with that. But see, there's a deeper meaning to this I am statement that God is everywhere and he's He is boundless in time. It's that as Moses began to experience, it was he could go nowhere where God did not see his situation. It did not matter if he was in Egypt, if he was in the wilderness, or if he came into Canaan. He experienced God in the same way because God was everywhere. This, to us, can provide us huge assurance that you are not alone. Loneliness is one of its highest rates right now in our society. People that feel like they're connected because they're staring at a small screen, pushing a button, saying like, 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 like. Right? 
feel like they're connected at some level. Right? It's getting ridiculous. You can't go somewhere without going, Hey guys, look at me and all my friends. Right? Let me Instagram it right now. That's become our society. We think we're connected, but we're not. If you talk to most people, there's this deep sense of loneliness. Deep sense of disconnected. One of the biggest attributes of God's omnipresence is that His force, His spirit, His person is the thing that connects us and binds us. Because God says, I am, I can be in relationship with you. I can be in El Salvador. I can be in Haiti. I can be in Russia. I can be in Mexico. I can be in the highest of heights in my life, the lowest of lows. God is still I am. He's there. If you want to take something from that, leave today knowing that you are not alone. But God doesn't stay there. God, like he did with Moses, comes close to us, makes himself real to us, becomes tangible to us. It's this term, Emmanuel, God with us, incarnation. He made himself human so that we could experience him. With Moses, he came as a burning bush, a staff that he threw down on the floor and it became a snake. Evidenced in, the, in all the miracles that were proven. With Jesus, we read in Isaiah, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive a son and call himself Emmanuel. One of the things I've experienced over these last five years is that Jesus comes towards me. That he knows my name. That he actually is involved with my affairs. He doesn't just keep himself on the outside looking in. But he wants to come into my context and make himself very real. The the thing that we need to remember, though, is that when he does, it's at that point that we need to respond. If you read through the Old Testament over and over and over again and into the New Testament, there is this need that as God comes to us, incarnates life to us, we have to then draw near to him. In Hebrews, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Knock and the door shall be opened. Seek and he shall be found. So for us, when we ask the question, where are you, God? God invites us to say, I'm here. Where are you? Where are you today? Are you in a place to where you can draw near? to Christ in your own life. And then, lastly, when you ask that question, where are you? Because of what Jesus did on the cross and when he left, the I am statement is I am inside of you. This Holy Spirit that we celebrate at our church is so powerful 
Because it takes God for being this force that's out there somewhere to being close and very near. David used to write about how he longed to be in the tabernacle. He wanted to be in the presence of God. The disciples longed to be close to Jesus, walk with him. And then Jesus said, it's good that I go. Why? Because then he'll pour out his spirit. That Jesus would no longer be bound by the body, the physical, but that the spirit would be given back to humanity so that we could experience him. So when you ask the question, God, where are you? If you have accepted Christ, if you have decided to follow him, if you have decided that he is your Lord and Savior, he has given you his spirit. You're not only not alone because of who he is on the present. You're not alone because all you have to do is commune with him in your own spirit. That's why when we sing and we sing those songs, that last song, it was pretty hard if you didn't feel something in this room. That was not just emotion. It can be. Good musicians can work up a crowd to feel something emotional. But that's not what that was. What that was, was individuals communing with the spirit that was inside them and then doing it in a community. And so when we said, come Lord, you're welcome here. That is us taking a stance and saying, come, we want to be with you. And that is not just on a Sunday morning. That is a daily pursuit. God, how do I wake up and say, Lord, come. You are welcome in this place. If you want to feel God close to you, if you want to know that he is with you, ask the question, what is in your life? What are you doing that does not allow you to get in this stance? It could be worry. It could be concern. It could be sin. It could be many things. But you don't have to hold on to it. You don't have to ask that question, where are you, God, for very long. See, as soon as Moses started saying that, God's like, okay, now we can have a conversation. Let's do this. And he began this work in and through Moses. But then we asked this question. This one, to me, is a little tougher. Not because we haven't experienced this God's care. Most of us, all of us, that are Christ followers have. But there are some pretty tough things in this world. And most of us have experienced some tough stuff. And it's tough to reconcile. And I'm not going to try. A good and loving God. And a lot of the garbage that goes on in our lives. Right? That's a tough one. That writers for years have been trying to reconcile. But let's just for a moment ask the question, does God care? If you're Moses and you start seeing tangible activity, powerful activity 
in which I mean, it's all it's kind of all cutesy with the Bible stories with Moses, with all little frogs jumping around Egypt, you know, and things kind of turning to blood. And you're like, oh, that's cute, right? Locusts flying around, right? Okay, this was a historical event with up to almost a million people. So imagine double Long Beach, okay, that were enslaved, that were the economic engine of Egypt at the time, right? So let's get uncomfortable. It's the South, okay, in 1850s. A whole group of people enslaved, but propping up the economy. And someone walking right in and saying, let go. Let these people out. And all of a sudden, stuff starts happening. And God, within this period of time, takes a whole group of people out and frees them. Not some, some, some process through a moment in time. There is an Israel today. It's not in Egypt. It's further north. That happened. That wasn't some cute Bible story. There's a whole group of people. You might know them. They're called Jewish. And they date their history back to this time. They've got one of the longest, most well-kept record of genealogy that exists in human history that dates back to this time when God said, you're my family, let's take care of you guys. We look at this in Romans. Paul talks about it. Because the first answer to the question, if you care, God says, I want you to know that you are fully mine. You are fully His. You're not shared. You're not, you're not, to use this term, you're not, I won't use it, but it's not legitimate. You are His child. Romans 8, 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you receive the spirit of, of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. What does this provide for us? Assurance. A lot of us have not had good backgrounds with parents. You just saw that video. A lot of us, the stuff we handle, the stuff we struggle with, comes from this wound of a parent saying, I really don't want you, or at least acting that way. If you're a believer this morning, or if you want to follow Christ, that faith coming into that family makes you adopted as a son of the living God. Recognizing who we were made to be as human beings to God. The other thing he wants for us, if we ask, do you care? 
is He wants you to be fully free. Fully free. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 1 through 2. God wants you to know that you are fully His. He wants you to be fully free. Just like the Israelites, He did not want to be bound by the Egyptians. He does not want you to be bound in your own life. He doesn't want you to be bound by worry, by concern, by anxiety, by sin, by addiction, by any of it. He wants absolute freedom. Then lastly, to come into our series, He wants you to be fully alive. He wants you to experience the absolute fullness of what it means to be His child. That's how much He cares. And John says, The thief comes only to steal and destroy. I came, this is Jesus, that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for His sheep. John 10, 10 10-11. We are offered in Jesus Christ the most abundant life that exists in humanity. Do you know how hard it is to really believe that? If we really believe that, if we believe that we can ask the question, where are you, God? And he says, I am everywhere. I am near. And I am inside you. And then we ask, do you care? Yes. I want you to know you're fully mine. You're fully free. So that you can be fully alive. He wants his people to shine the way Jesus did. He wants people to look at you and to see Christ shining through. He wants you to experience that love. And he says that it can happen. That's radical. Our culture says it doesn't happen. It says you get close enough to it if you self-medicate. Right? If you go after wealth, safety, prosperity, all these things, you can get close enough to it. But it does not promise an abundant life. God wants us all to live an abundant life. What I love about the story of Moses is that at the end of Moses' first run, and he had many. Moses goes from being this guy who's probably around 80 years old, which could you imagine? I can't imagine having to do what he did at my age, let alone when my bones were crickety and I was like, really, I'm going to walk a million people through a desert. Thanks, God. But he does it. And at 80 years old, Moses becomes fully alive. His sister, who was older, she was probably 90, Miriam, goes bonkers. I'm going to read. This is after they had gone to the Red Sea. Remember the story? 
came to the Red Sea, opens it up, and basically takes care of the Egyptians. Moses sings, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Who is like you, O God, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? And then if you can put it up here, it says, You have led in your steadfast love the people who you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Moses goes from being disconnected, discouraged, completely frustrated, not wanting to have much to do with God, to just absolute joy in his presence. And although the next 40 years was not going to be a walk in the park, Moses went through this transformation where to him, life meant being in the presence of Christ. And he fought for that being the most important thing. And it's actually what shaped an entire people, which shaped the coming of Christ. Miriam, who's probably in her late 80s, it says, took a tambourine and she ran out. And all the ladies followed her. And they just danced. Gloriously, it says. Just get that picture of a woman, Miriam, who just a, a while back was making bricks without straw, was working 14-hour days, was having to watch the babies around her be killed, to now watching God move them out, free them, in front of them confirm, you are mine. I am close. I care. I am with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that God, you allow us to be human and ask questions not out of disrespect, but out of our experience that is real. We often feel discouraged. We often feel this gap between wanting to follow you, but then struggling, if we're honest, with the conditions of our hearts. Lord, I would love for as many of us this morning to just think about those questions, to, to ask you, where are you, God? And then receive your word where you tell us, I'm everywhere, I am near, and I am in you. Yes, I care. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.
Well.